This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey, time to go to the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Our friend Ariel Epstein points bet. MLB Network, NBA TV. She joins us every Friday, and she joins us right now. And Ariel, good afternoon. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Before we get to your picks, we have to go in order of uh, how this week has gone and get your thoughts on some things. Number one, you were at the game on uh, Sunday. Your thoughts on what you saw? Thanks for having me on. I definitely have gotten over most of what I saw last week. It was, it was, I was angry on Sunday when I left the stadium, angry that the Ravens went away from their identity, angry. The Ravens had such a good season and went out that way. Angry because I knew that it was going to be almost like a clean house of a lot of people because you were that good this year. It felt like after a Super Bowl, when everyone in the league comes after your coaches, that's what it felt like after the Ravens lost. So yeah, it was disappointing. Do I think they could be back? Absolutely. The organization has still always been like great reputation. Players like playing there. Lamar's under contract now. I still like John Harbaugh's head coach, but the press conference today was a little suspect. guys. (laughs) I mean, they, they had to run the football, right? I mean, like, don't take us for fools. You never hand it off to running backs, any running back, twice in a row the entire game. Like, you can't tell me you think that's good game management or that was the way the Chiefs forced you to attack them. Like, it's not passing anybody's sniff test, is it? No, and to say that you tried to run the football, it just didn't work out, it doesn't make sense. You had the ball first. Like, and then you had the ball again, like, you, you did get downfield a few times, but you fumbled and you threw a pick. So when things started to look a little suspect in the first half, Lamar fumbles, Lamar throws a pick, Zay Flowers fumbles. At any point, you don't think, let's try to play a little careful here since things are going mm-hmm. a little south, and let's try to go back to our identity. They weren't that out of the game ever, even though – to me, it felt like they were, especially out of, after Zay Flowers. The crowd was never out of it. The Ravens just went away from their identity. And, again, I know I've seen this all over social media. This keeps happening in the playoffs. So I do think that if they get back there next year, that it's going to be in the back of Harbaugh's mind. But also, Todd Munkin, it was his first year as an offensive coordinator. It was Lamar's first time in the AFC Championship. It's Zay Flowers' first year in the league. So I agree with what Lamar said after the game. This was a lot of firsts. And I think that we should look at this in like a positive way that for it being a lot of first for a lot of players, they got there. And now let's see what they do with the experience. 
Well, Ariel, thank God we got some good news this week. New ownership group for the Orioles, and the Orioles making a big-time splash last night in acquiring Corbin Burns. How did that affect their futures market? Oh, my gosh, guys. I couldn't have thought of anything better for the, the Orioles to do after what Ravens fans have just gone through this week because the Orioles probably just made the best move of the entire offseason. Not only have I been saying that the Orioles need to get an ace, I never expected it to be Corbin Burns. And this was the best case scenario. You've got a Cy Young winner. And now the World Series odds on the Orioles move from 17 to 1 to 13 to 1. The AL odds go 8 to 1 to 6 to 1. AL East plus 280 to plus 250, putting the Orioles as the second shortest odds now to win the American League East behind the New York Yankees. And do I think it's going to move more in favor of the Orioles? Yes, I do. Talking to Ariel Epstein's Inside Access here on The Fan. How do you feel about your Yankees as you watch? You guys got Soto early but haven't really done a whole lot else, and now the Orioles go and get themselves an ace. Where do the Yankees fit in in this division? Yeah, I mean, right now they are the favorites. I'm seeing the Yankees at plus 135, which is, Actually, for anyone who's an Orioles fan, that's not great for the Yankees. Usually the Yankees are favored to win it at minus 150, minus 200. That's what they were a year or two ago or two years ago. Um, But I don't have as much confidence in the Yankees as I do in the Orioles. Now, I'm not saying the value is necessarily on the Orioles because I do see there's value there on the Rays at plus 650. They've got the experience, and they always have an in-and-out rotation that anyone could come step up mm. at any given moment in that deep rotation. But the Yankees don't have a deep rotation. All they have is an ace in Garrett Cole, and everyone else is very suspect. Are you going to get the best out of Marcus Stroman, the best out of Carlos Rodon, the best out of Nestor Cortez, or are they going to implode again? You can't trust them. The Yankees also just lost Wandy Peralta, which was a huge loss to the bullpen. The Yankees couldn't figure out who a closer was going to be last year because Clay Holmes has a terrible August every season of his career. And that's not like me exaggerating. He actually does have an ERA above like an eight his entire career in the month of August. So I think that there are a lot of question marks around the Yankees pitching. And I think what the Yankees GM Brian Cashman is going to do He's going to wait around and see how good he's getting out of some of those pitchers like a Stroman and Rodon. Then if he needs to make a move at the trade deadline, I could see Cashman going and doing that. But the Yankees definitely need more pitching. And the O's, I mean, listen, they, as long as their young kids can adjust to what the pitchers are going to adjust to with them in the batter's box, then you're going to have a solid team. Ariel, we are still a little over a week away from the biggest betting spectacle of the year, the Super Bowl. Um, I did jump on some chalky stuff early just because I thought the value would evaporate. Pacheco, anytime touchdown, especially Kelsey, anytime touchdown, which as of last night, you can still get plus money on in a lot of shops. And then this line keeps fluctuating. I grabbed it again, Chiefs plus two. Are you doing any early action on the Super Bowl? Yeah, I've been looking and I've been monitoring a lot of these prop lines. One of my favorite random plays to make for like in those random Super Bowl markets I like over two and a half pass, over two and a half players to have a pass attempt. There are a mm. lot of players on the Niners that could throw mm-hmm. the football, and we've seen it multiple times. It won't surprise me if we see at least one extra player, and it's a pass attempt. It's not a touchdown right. pass attempt. So I would take that. There was one prop that I found interesting that it dropped a lot. George Kittle dropped the most. The Niners tight end. He went from fifty-two and a half receiving yards to forty-eight and a half. 
usually the props markets don't move more than like two yards. And for Kittle to move within 24 hours of Monday to Tuesday by about four or five yards, a little alarming. Super Bowl is really big for a lot of overs. I mean, I, I, people love betting overs every prop, but especially in the Super Bowl with so much more public betting, you're going to get a lot of people betting overs, which is why it makes it more, okay, be careful of George Kittle props if you're going to go bet his overs because it's been dropping. Ariel, do you have any plays in the NBA tonight? Yeah, I've got two plays in the NBA for anyone that wants action tonight. Bam at a bio, the Heat Center, over 19.5 points. He's averaging just under 21 points a game against teams. Bottom 10 in points allowed in the paint. Wizards are not only terrible in the paint, they are also the worst rebounding team in the league, so that should have a lot of putback shots for Bam. Also, it's all-star snub night. So for anyone that bets these props in the mm. NBA, these players that got snubbed from the all-star game, a lot of them tend to go off the next night. Trey Young is one of them. Bet the Hawks point guard over 25.5 points. This team's in front of his home crowd. The Suns are allowing the six most points to point guards this year. You've got to expect the highest-scoring player on the Hawks, Trey Young, is going to be used at a high level. And plus, Beal and Booker, they don't always play defense. I like Trey Young over 25.5 points. Errol Epstein, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, Fanatic slash points bet sportsbook, uh, NBA TV, and MLB Network, and all over social media. Ariel, always great. Have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Coming up next, Ravens end-of-year presser at the castle. Melissa Kim was there. She joins us next here on the Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. At the Castle at 11 a.m. today. It was their end-of-season press conference. Bone was there. I was there. And let's go out to the WGK Law Guest Hotline where Melissa Kim, who also was there, joins us now. Melissa, thanks as always for joining us. So what did you what were your main takeaways from today? Um, my main takeaways, I would say, is that there are a lot of questions that are going to hopefully be answered over the next couple of months this offseason. Obviously, there's a lot of questions um, with some coaches, obviously, with the departure. I mean, they like really like hemorrhage coaches this week over the last couple of days. I mean, what a week it's been, right? Um, and then on top of that, with players, too. You know, Eric DaCosta was asked if he was going to place the franchise tag on Justin Matabike. He said, from his experience in terms of last year with all the contract negotiations with Lamar, I think the best he thought the best course of action for him was just to not say anything about it at all. But he mentioned Justin Matabike. Obviously, Patrick Queen talked about a lot as well after they had stellar seasons, career seasons, you know. And so, um, and then there's the whole list of 23 other free agents that are, you know, up for grabs or might be coming back. And obviously, offensive line is a position that this franchise has always emphasized, and a lot of questions there too because Kevin Zeitler. Uh, John Simpson, also um, free agents after this year. 
So, yeah, a lot, a lot of questions, I, I mean, to be answered for sure. Well, Melissa, at the beginning of the press conference, John Harbaugh was getting peppered with questions about the lack of carries by running backs yes. against the Chiefs, just six carries by running backs. What did you think of Harb's explanation of that? And in real time, going back to Sunday, what were your thoughts on that game plan? Uh, I was not, I was confused. I would say at halftime, I was definitely confused because, you know, this is a franchise that has built itself on the power run. And, you know, to not see that is a little bit confusing, I think, especially with the game, way the game was going. And Coach Harbaugh today said that, you know, he and Coach Munkin obviously had a lot of um, conversations about running the ball, um, but uh, they had decided that with what was happening with the Chiefs' defense, they decided to go with the game plan that they had. So, um, like you know, mentioned the way that the defense was lined up, um, you know, just running the ball in heavy formations, wide receivers blocking the edge, all that. You know, he said they could have done that, but he said that you weren't going to win an AFC championship with that. But, you know, he did say that was an excuse, um, always wanting to run the ball more. But um, I would say confusion. I was confused more, more than anything, I would say. Obviously, especially Eric DaCosta, right? He's not in the business of tipping his hand. He doesn't want to. Um, flinch here at all verbally or otherwise and and you know there's nothing to see here except like I don't know about you but uh, like Patrick Queen's gone and he didn't really say or do anything to make me remotely think that Patrick Queen's not gone like I almost kind of feel like he did tip his hand a little bit there and he knows and couldn't even hide that Patrick Queen's gone yeah I mean I think that with what PQ did this past season and the success that he had um, I mean, essentially, he did kind of price himself out of Baltimore in a way. I mean, which it's bittersweet, right, because of what he and Roquan have done together for the last season and a half and the relationships that they've built, obviously, on this team. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, he played his tail off this year, and you could tell in the way that he was playing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at locker room cleanout on Monday, you could definitely, be in talking to him, you could definitely, I definitely felt, it was a little, like, heavy emotional, you know, like a lot mm-hmm. of heavy emotions for sure. Um, he took his time. He was one of the first people in there. He was still in there cleaning out his locker uh, when we left. And just, you could tell that he was just savoring every moment. Because, you know, now in the off season, instead of after the Pro Bowl, you know, instead of coming back here or going home and knowing that, you know, his, place of residence is here he had now has to pack everything up and kind of you know figure out what that next move is so I think that for him yeah it's definitely definitely I think he knows that he knows he knew you know that he he played well enough to price himself out of here talking to Melissa Kim it's inside access here on the fan let's get back to the running game and the the future of the running game and Eric DaCosta mm-hmm. did mention you know how lucky they are that they gave Justice Hill a two-year deal and he's one of the more unsung yep. players on this team but there's nothing else there at the running back position hoping Keaton yeah. Mitchell Keaton comes Mitchell. back from injury Mitchell yeah um well Keaton Mitchell yeah but yeah Gus Edwards is a free agent um J.K. Dobbins is a free agent um you know so yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to – he was also asked if he was going – how he was going to approach, right, the offseason in terms of trading draft picks for more veteran guys or, you know, draft some rookies or whatnot. But, um, you know, didn't again, didn't give away a whole whole lot, which, like, you know, you respect because you got to hold your cards close to your chest in these situations with other teams watching too. But, um, yeah, I think that's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of questions um, in terms of 
I mean, almost every position you look at, right? I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, you look down the line of the guys that are free agents and those are some big, heavy positions like starters that are on this list. So, um, yeah, I think the running game is also a point of emphasis too. I think that, um, O-line, obviously, um, Eline too. As I mean, I'm just looking down the list of all the guys that are free agents now. There's a lot of holes to be filled on this team. Melissa, I uh, want to get your thoughts on Mike McDonald getting a head coaching gig with Seattle and Zach Orr replacing him here in Baltimore. I think it's really great, honestly. I think that speaks to the success of what this defense has done. And Coach Harbaugh did talk a little bit about that today in terms of, you know, you're happy for those guys to get those opportunities. I think Mike McDonald, I mean, look, he's one of the brilliant defensive minds of this game especially and he especially showed that this year one of those great young minds I think it's gonna be a really fun dichotomy to watch like him and Pete Carroll to be honest with you because like Pete Carroll was one of the older guys in the league and then now they're going to like the youngest guy uh, youngest head coach in the league so I think that's gonna be fun to watch them kind of brainstorm together what we'll be able to see of that but um yeah I think that that's I mean you've got to be happy for all the coaches you know I mean um all the staff that has gotten opportunities in this last year because in a way like you know especially with Mike like he like started here and, you know, he kind of flourished here and then like went to Michigan and then came back and it's like, he's like spreading his wings and flying in a way, you know? And so um, I think it's pretty, a pretty cool opportunity for him. And then um, as for Zach Orr, I mean, you see how enthusiastic he is on those wired videos in terms of, you know, really being a player's guy. And that's one of the things that I remember that both Roquan and PQ talked about over the course of the season with both Mike and with Zach Orr, that, because of their a lack of age gap, maybe I'll say, you know, they were able to identify with him a lot more. And like, you know, those coaches really wanted feedback from the guys too on how to operate and how to run plays and stuff. And so um, I think it's a great hire. I think that Zach, or obviously it helps when you have somebody already in the system, someone who is under Mike McDonald, who's learning from him. Um, one thing I'm really looking at though, with a uh, bated breath is what's going to happen with Anthony Weaver. Cause coach Harbaugh did mention today that, he is in conversation still with the Dolphins to be their offense coordinator or for to be their defensive coordinator. So um, curious to see what's going to happen with that. Weaver, I can't speak enough about him either. I mean, great human being. Um, obviously, look what he's done with that D line speaks for itself. So um, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes out for the next couple of days on what's going to happen with that. Melissa Kim, always great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Fla- guys. Flocking it down? Day. Today's Friday, right? Yeah, yeah, we flock it. I'm going to see you in a couple of hours, so you can. I'll, I'll see the dance in real life. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll do it better when you're we'll here. We'll be flocking down at okay. uh, later this <laughs> evening. Hey, coming up next. Thanks, Melissa. Coming up next, Corbin Burns is an Oriole. AJ Przinsky. Two-time All-Star catcher. AJ Przinsky, not an Oriole. No, but he's talking talking baseball on foul territory, and he joins us next here on The Fan. It's been a wild week for Birdland. First, the announcement of the sale to a group led by David Rubenstein. That was Tuesday. And then last night, the Orioles acquire Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Brewers. Let's talk about that now as we head out to the WGK Law guest hotline. Former all-star catcher now talking baseball on foul territory. It's A.J. Przinsky. And A.J., thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Let's start with this. Your, your reaction to the trade. I mean, I was stoked. I mean, we just had Corbin Burns on uh, foul territory live. Uh, if you haven't seen it, tune in or stream it on YouTube or wherever you get a podcast. But man, I am stoked for Birdland. It's been a great, what, 48, 72 hours. Yes. New owners, Cal Ripken's back and you get Corbin Burns. 
I mean, there's a lot to like right now in Birdland. AJ, you look at the one, two, three with Burns, Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, how good is this Orioles pitching staff? Uh, don't forget about John Means. He's been all right, hasn't he? Yeah. He's been pretty darn good. So I, I, I think that I think this was the missing piece for them. I'd love him to see him add one more bullpen piece uh, at the back end to help Kimbrell and Cano out. But, I mean, I love where this team is at now. Will they sign some of these dudes to an extension? But listen, this is a great first step in the uh, Birdland supremacy of the AL East after winning 101 games next last year, and let's see what they can do this year. Well, and and I, I, we've been talking about a lot on this show this week, especially with new ownership, like looking at the rest of the division. I mean, yes, the Yankees, Soto, that's an, a great move, and, and I think, frankly, they didn't have to give up much to get him. But, right, that's a rental, and he's going to go to the market, and we're not sure that this version of the Steinbrenners are going to keep him. Toronto, you know, they were talking about Otani and Bellinger. It ends up being Kiermaier and Turner. Uh, the Red Sox, I mean, I know they got, uh, uh, you know, they made a move, but, like, they haven't done much, right? Like, and, and, the, and the Rays traded their best starter again like it it, it does feel like th- like there's a real opportunity here again for the Orioles to boss this division well exactly especially if they spend some money <laughs> that's the most exciting part is the Yankees the Red Sox the Blue Jays I mean the Rays don't really spend money but the Orioles have a chance if they spend money to run this division because they already have the core right Rushman Henderson uh you know the whole list of those guys that they have already there so they already have the core built. Now, can they keep them? That's my thing. Yeah. I want to. I want to see him come out and, and lock up Adley Rutschman. Lock up Gunnar Henderson. Lock up Hayes. Lock up. You know, Bradish. Lock up. I don't know Burns because we had Burns on, like I said today, and he said, "Well, listen, I'm going to test free agency." Sure. The Scott Boris guy. Um, he's so close. He's one year away. Now he's also said if the Orioles blow him away with an offer, he'd definitely think about it. So, I mean, that's the next step. But I love where the Orioles are positioned in this division. I love that they're a young core. I mean, look at the Yankees score. It's older, right? I mean, Garrett Cole is yes. getting up there. I know he won the Cy Young, but Rodon's been injury prone. Soto can probably walk. Judge is older than you think. Rizzo's older now. So I, I think that's a big thing. The Red Sox haven't done anything. Their full throttle has turned into almost nothing, nothing. other than Lucas Giolito. Uh, the Blue Jays swung at the big fish and missed so far. Uh, Justin Turner's a nice player, but he's, what, 39, 40 years old. Uh, so in the Rays, like you said, they, they Rays always seem to make moves and you always look at the Rays and go, gosh, man, how are they going to win games? They figure it out. But, listen, Wander Franco's not playing this year, no. and we don't know if he'll ever play again. Glasnow's gone. When will McClanahan come back? Uh, it, it's it's a wide-open division, and the Orioles took advantage of it last year, and they had the opportunity for next four, five, six years to be in front. We're talking to A.J. Przinsky. It's inside access here on the fan. So we, we were looking the other day when the sale announcement, the Orioles – 29th in spending in Major League Baseball. It's fair to think it's got to be that the new owner is going to spend more, isn't it? I, I, gosh, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, man, 29th, what, who's buying them? Oakland? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. And Oakland yeah. doesn't even have a place to play. No. So, uh, yeah, no, it has to be. The Orioles, the Orioles have to up that. And I think, you know, John Angelos, say what you want about him, good, bad. You know, most people don't really love him. He didn't spend money, but he did do two things well. One, he got Camden Yard secured for the next time, and he brought in a group of people that want to win, and he sold the team at a good time. So, I mean, applaud him for that. Uh, whatever you think of him other than that, you know, is your own opinion. But I love that he, they sold the team. The team new owners seem to want to win. They're Baltimore people, and they want the Orioles to succeed, which usually means you're going to spend some money. I'm not saying they got to go to the top of the 
the, the market like the Dodgers or, or, or the Braves are going to be in a few years or even the Mets. But, I mean, at least get competitive, get in the top 15 to 10 because Baltimore can support it. Well, and A.J., he hired Mike Elias, who I, I think sometimes in this sport – we get a little carried away with making it sound like, well, just trade all your best players, you know, pick as high as you can for three years, and you'll be fine. Like the White Sox, right? They're 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 kind of tearing it down again, and I really don't know what they got between the last two teardowns. The Royals, since their World Series, right? Like, what are they? The Pirates have been perpetually rebuilding. The Tigers, like, not everybody can pull this off. Like, it's it's if it were easy, more teams be doing it. Well, a lot of teams have tried it. And by the way, just tugging on my heartstrings, talking about my wife. <laughs> I had to get him in there. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate mm-hmm. the, you know, the un- the unfair stab. Uh, it's fine. Um, yeah, you're right. But you know what happened? There's two teams that did it and pulled it off. The Cubs first, right? Yeah. They won in 16, and then the Astros did it. And the Astros, the Cubs kind of said it, but they didn't really say it the way the Astros did. And guess who was on that Astros staff that pulled it off? Michael Elias. Right? So he knows what he's doing. And they've made shrewd moves. They made good draft picks. They've drafted the right people. They've made shrewd moves. And now is the time, like much like the Astros. Look at the Astros. They went out and got Verlander. Well, Corbin Burns is the Orioles' Verlander, right? They went out and, and, and signed Bregman and signed Altuve, and, and they supplemented with guys like Jordan Alvarez, who they trade for. So now is the time to strike if you're an Orioles fan and you're an Orioles organization. So because the Cubs and the Astros did it, every team thinks they can do it. It's not that easy, but, hey, it's work, so people think they can do it. What's remarkable is they didn't have to give up one of their top five prospects to bring in Burns, and this is still the number one farm system in baseball. AJ, are you expecting another big swing by Mike Elias between now and the trade deadline? Well, I don't know if he's going to do it, but I know that he has the capital, the prospect capital, to do it. That's what's scary is, right, is they didn't give up their top five. They didn't give up Jackson Holiday. They didn't give up some of the other names we've heard about. But the reason is because Corbin Bird's only a one-year guy. Most people think, oh, he's only a one-year guy, one-year rental. Get him for one year, he's going to hit the free agent market. More than likely, the Orioles aren't going to be able to assign him. I mean, Dio Hall's got a chance to be a good possible starter, but we already know he can be a good back-end reliever. Ortiz, the shortstop, great hands. Can he hit enough? And then a first-round pick has some value. I think people overvalue those sometimes. But – Hey, I mean, the Orioles have prospect capital, and if they have, they need to go out and get somebody, they can do it. They can outbid almost any team in baseball for whoever they want to get. And also, it seems like they're not afraid to spend money, which is another big factor. AJ, just curious. Obviously, you played the game. You, played, you won a World Series with the White Sox. You talked about them locking up Camden Yards. Your player experience, did you like coming to Baltimore and playing here? I love coming to Baltimore because – we talked about this the other day on foul territory. If I if you went to Camden Yards for three or four days, and you didn't know Homer, you felt like a failure. Because <laughs> before they moved the wall back, yeah. you were like, and some of those teams I played against weren't very good. So you were like, gosh, I got to get one mixed in one here while you know in these short porches. So, uh, but I love playing in Baltimore. I loved uh, uh, the stadium. I love the atmosphere. It was always crowded. Always felt like there was a ton of people there, especially out in the bullpen area where the. The people were walking around and drinking beer, and they're yelling at you in the bullpens out there. Um, I love the Inner Harbor area. I love the new, I don't know what it's called, like where the Four Seasons and, and Charleston. Harbor East. And all that. Yeah. Harbor East over there. Um, it, it was always fun. I always enjoyed going to Baltimore. I always really looked forward to it. And, listen, it's only going to get better. Like, they're supposed to put a bunch of money into Camden Yards to renovate it, and, and hopefully they get, like, the new project they're talking about, doing something like the Battery or Ball, Ballpark Village in St. Louis. So, Listen, it's only going to get better for here for Baltimore fans and 
I'm all for it. AJ Przinsky, check him out on Foul Territory. They had Corbin Burns on today. Go online. You can check that out. Now go on Twitter at Foul Territory TV. I'm sure it's up there right now. AJ, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. You guys enjoy it, and this is a nice way to uh, get over the Ravens loss. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Trying to make you guys forget, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. I guess that's a that's revenge that's for the White Sox. Yeah. That was for your White Sox. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yes, <laughs> Thanks, yes, yes. AJ. Thanks, guys. Hey, coming up next, Terps. They've won two in a row. Can they keep it going? We'll preview Terps and Michigan State next here on the Fan. You know, it, it, it's hard pressing when you don't have. It, it's hard to sustain pressure when you don't have. Um, you know, not only the students, but just, a, it, you know, you can't do it on a, in a it, in a quiet crowd. So the stu- having the students back was, was huge. You know, that's the first time we've had a st- students in the building since December 14th. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's almost a month and a half we, we've been. So it makes a huge difference. It's Kevin Willard after the Terps beat Nebraska 73-51. Nebraska just beat Wisconsin. It was six in the country last night. So nice win for the Terps. And uh, going to the Mark Turgeon School of Thought with the students in the building helping you win a basketball game. Terps have won two in a row. Currently tied for sixth in the conference, 13-8, and 5-5 five and five overall. Take on Michigan State tomorrow at Michigan State. Well, first, I'll just say I, I was at the Nebraska game, and the students, the student sections were packed. Now, some of the general seating, not so much, but that environment felt like a home field advantage. Like it, it was a nice uh, atmosphere in the barn. Um, so I, I wouldn't get too caught up in that. Um, look, we're kind of sitting here at the midpoint of the conference schedule. And I, I think as crazy as this might have sounded a few weeks ago, it's not nuts to talk about a path to mm-hmm. them making the tournament and and perhaps making the tournament without having to do a whole lot in the conference tournament to secure that. We know they match up pretty well against Sparty. Now, it's different on the road, but this team has shown the ability to, to finish games a little bit more on the road in conference. They have to protect the ball better than they did in the Michigan State game where they gave it away like crazy in the first half. And they've got to play. And, and look, the defense is like top echelon. Like they are a legit top of the line defensive basketball team. But they've got to defend the perimeter against these guys. They they gave them some looks at critical times from behind the three point line that, that really helped Michigan State build up that big lead in the first place. But like to me, I look at this season the rest of the way and I kind of split it in three different chunks, right? They've had a week off, so this really is a reset. Mm-hmm. You got at Sparty versus Rutgers, who's 2-7 and seven in conference, at Ohio State, who's 3-7 and seven in conference, and then Iowa comes here, who we already won at Iowa, and they're 4-6 and six at conference. If they go 3-1 and one in that stretch, right, then you've got two top-ranked teams. Illinois comes here. I'm not sure they're going to sweep them. And then you go to Wisconsin. That's going to be a tough ask. Yeah. But even if you lose those two, your final four at Rutgers, I know the rack is tough, but they're two and seven. It's a must win. Northwestern comes here, should have won there. I think you could split with Northwestern. Indiana comes here, same thing, probably should have won there. I think you can take care of business here. They're only five and five in conference. And then at Penn State, I know they never win at Penn State, but Penn State's not, I mean, Dude, that is a house of horrors. I get it. For the terms, but if they so. go three and one in that first cluster, lose those other two, and then go three and one in that final cluster, that's 11 and eight, nine and 12 with at least four road wins. That I mean, you're you're on the precipice. You win in the you win a game in the tournament. I I think 
12 conference wins and 20 overall, you're going to tell me that Maryland team doesn't get in? Should. Uh, it's it's very much right out in front of them. And it, you said it. Defensively, we know they're going to show up each game. But offensively, can they get the bench production that they have over the past couple games? Has Jamie Kaiser Jr. found his stroke? Can Jahari Long continue what he's been doing over the past couple of games? Julian Reese, can we get some more consistency from him? Something that I am a little concerned about just because we saw it last year is Jameer Young going to wear down like he did last year? Look, he has been a stud for them. And that's what was really impressive about that Nebraska game yes. where Jameer Young wasn't the guy. That no. was not a Jameer Young game. And despite that, the Terps were able to still roll and win that game by 22. Let's be honest, though. Other than Jahari Long, they've been getting nothing off the bench yes. this year until J- until Jamie Kaiser had his legacy game against Nebraska, putting up 14 now. I'm not asking him to put up 14 every game, but if he can be a guy that knocks down a couple threes every night, that changes everything Big for difference. you. I also wonder, too, uh, can, when Long is in, are they going to be willing to, to put Long at the point and take a little bit of that off Jameer? Sure. Right? Have Jameer off ball when Long is in there. I've, I've noticed more of that seemingly lately. I like it because we know when Jameer's on the ball, a lot of times he's looking to drive, penetrate. That's collisions, right? That's contact. That's he bumps, bruises. Those are hard minutes. So him, you know, on in those instances, maybe just getting the ball in the wing and shooting, that that's a way to at least keep those those minutes from being as physical and and as tension filled as it is when you're constantly on the ball. No, without question. But you know, you, you just said earlier, Jason, the fact that we're having this conversation right now, where a few weeks back it was, <laughs> you and know, remember we can they win a game? Yeah, can they win a game where now you've won? Can they win a close game? Yeah. Can they close yeah. out a game when they do get a late lead? Can they put them away? And well, remember how bad they looked against Indiana. That feels feels like a season ago when they went to Indiana and looked awful. Villanova. Yeah, I mean they've they've had some poor performances. Maryland and Michigan State. That's a five thirty tip. That means you can hear it right here on one five seven. The fans starting with the pregame coverage at four thirty. Coming up next, Orioles. Oh, are- one other thing too, though. I just wanted to know. Yes. Iowa women are here, and and this is a real phenomenon. This Caitlin Clark, like oh she's a rock scorer. star. Yeah, like, but if you look at the way, like, the attendance and the ratings and the way people gravitate towards her, it's it's pretty awesome. And I think it's one more indicator of how women's sports in this country and women's amateur sports in this country continue to grow. Like, it, it's a thing. I think it's cool. She's getting some real nil coin. She's yeah. in commercial. And I'll tell you what, you won't have to worry about if is it going to be rocking or rolling Saturday night at College Park. It's going to be bonkers. Yeah. While the men are at Sparty, Coach Willard, you won't have to worry about yeah. what, what it's Student like back section. home. It's going, they're going to be into it. That Student place section. is going to be packed to the gills. Hey, coming up next, the Orioles are going to be sold to a group led by David Rubenstein. Mark Gannis, president of Sports Corp. He's been involved in some of these kind of situations. We'll get his thoughts on the sale next here on The Fan. Inside Access. Dietz and Watson makes meats and cheeses the right way. That means never cutting corners. It means cooking, not processing. It's being transparent about what goes into our food and what doesn't. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 